live from the Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain. And now your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, it's Al Mancini. Las Vegas. Hello, Internet. Hello to a studio audience who must have nothing else to do today. So thank you guys for coming out. Seriously, that's real people out there. It's amazing. I can't, I can't believe it. A, a boring day, Thursday afternoon here in Las Vegas. Anyway, welcome to Top of the Food Chain, the show that is going to change the way you look at fine dining, change the way you look at dining in general, definitely change the way you look at restaurant critics, because I'm sure you've never seen one quite like me before. I am Al Mancini, your host. And we're here to teach you just about everything you need to know. It'll take a few weeks, but eventually you're going to know everything about food. If you've got any questions about dining, dining in Las Vegas, or dining in general, email me. It's food at VegasVideoNetwork.com. We'll get to those in future episodes, assuming they let me do more than one of these things. Um, if you're on online live right now, we've got a chat going on, so just hit us up with any questions you might have. Also want to let you know that these will all be archived on iTunes, so you'll be able to go there, download them as podcasts. And since this is my first show, I kind of have to kiss the ass of other people here at Vegas Video Networks, tell you they've got a lot of other great shows going on here. You should check them out, um, all sorts of cool stuff going on. So anyway, let's kick off our first show. What you're probably wondering first is, who the hell am I, and why am I qualified to talk to you people about food? Understandable. Um, basically, I've been a professional journalist for about 15 years. I've been a foodie for about 25 years. When I used to live in New York City, I used to go to every obscure little ethnic joint I could find, eat Ethiopian food with my fingers, I mean, just anything you could find, anything you could dig up. New York was great for that. Also, I used to save up all my money in a little cookie jar on the top of my refrigerator. Once a year, my wife and I would go out for fine dining. So, one thing I found about people when it comes to dining, whether it's ethnic or fine dining, a lot of you are just too afraid to check out new things. And I think that's a little, that's a little depressing. You know, I know you, you think you're going to go in, you're not going to understand what's the, what the menu says, might be a little intimidated by the waiter, might not know what you eat with your fingers, what that French word is, whatever. I am here to tell you that if someone that looks like this can dine at the world's finest restaurants and the tiny little obscure places, Anybody can do it. So we're going to teach you the kind of stuff that you need to know so that you can eat pretty much anywhere and get as fat as I am, maybe even fatter, but you're going to have a hell of a good time doing it. Okay, so um, that's what we're here to do. For one thing, another is, you know, dining can be expensive. I want to make sure you get your money's worth. I am on your side. I've got a lot of chef friends, but when it comes to, um, to talking about food, I'm really on the side of the diner. So I'm going to tell you how you can make sure you get your money's worth out of every meal that you have. Um, so that is pretty much what we're going to be doing. Like I said, I've been a restaurant critic here in Las Vegas for about 10 years. Restaurant critic for Las Vegas City Life. I write about food for 944 Magazine in the past, um, Luxury Las Vegas Magazine. Co-author of the book Eating Las Vegas, The 50 Essential Restaurants, which you should all go out and buy that thing. I really need to get a royalty check, as you can see. My wardrobe, not exactly up to snuff to be a big famous TV star. So that is pretty much who I am. Today, we are going to be talking about cheese, which is kind of a very simple idea, but it can be a little intimidating. So we're going to be talking with one of my good friends, um, Chef Matt Silverman, about cheese as soon as we get back from this very quick station break. This is David Ivey from Pub Crawl. It's funny, because... Is David? Oh, 
You should, you should, no, you should just leave it on. Hi, I'm David Ivey from Pub Crawl, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network. And scene. Okay, that was a good, good station break. Thanks a lot, David. Anyway, as I said, we're going to be talking cheese today, and I've got my friend here, Matt Silverman. Matt is the head chef at Vintner Grill, definitely one of my favorite restaurants here in town. Mentioned as one of the 50 essential in my book. That's great. Yeah, we're in there. Yeah, I'm great. To, great to have you here. You actually just had me out the other day for the beginning of a cheese tasting, um, a daily cheese tasting that you're going to be doing, right? Yep. And the cool thing about this is, you know, I told everybody out there that I want to make sure they get their money's worth out of things. Mm -hmm. You cannot do better than getting your money's worth out of free. Absolutely. Free is always the best. So we're, we're doing a different cheese every day where you can come out and try something new and different. We have so many different unique cheeses, which we brought some of them here today to talk about. But we do one that you can't find on the menu, you can't find anywhere else. And we put it out every day between 5 and 6 o'clock, and you can come and try it and try some wine to go with it. So we brought some wine pairings today also to talk about cheese. Yeah, and that's four to five every day, and you can pretty much eat and drink for free. Pretty much, excellent. yeah. So, I mean, great, great deal. So, you know, I wanted to have you in, though, to talk about cheese, because cheese is one of those deals. And a lot of people out there, they know cheese, they go to their deli, they get Swiss, they get American, they get cheddar. Nobody hasn't had cheese. Right. But when it comes to eating good cheese in a fine dining, environment, a lot of people get a little intimidated. They're not sure what they're doing. Um, they don't even, you know, I want to start with the basics as to when you eat cheese. Right. Because I know Italians, it comes in the antipasto, which mm -hmm. is before your meal. The French usually eat it in place of a dessert. I don't know if people realize that, either right before dessert or in right. place of dessert, correct? Exactly. So, I mean, in the restaurant, what we do is we actually take the cheese menu and we put it on top of the actual dinner menu. So it's the first thing you see when you sit down. So you, you can get familiar with those cheeses and you can order them as a first course or as a dessert. I think we probably have about 60% first course and 40% for dessert. So it's, it's kind of evenly split. Right. Um, but we do that so that it really does break down that barrier. So you see it and then you ask questions about the cheeses and the servers are very knowledgeable about them. And again, like you said, there's so many cheeses with, that you've never heard of before and people are intimidated to order them. This way, the service staff is very educated and they can tell you all about the cheeses. So we can go through some of them today so that people can get more familiar with the, the types of cheeses so you know what you're ordering. And, and one other thing I want to let people know about is, you know, if you go to a really fine French restaurant, and I'm sure you've been to many of these and I've been fortunate enough, I'm talking about the Guy Savoise and the mm -hmm. Joël Robichons, the place where you spend several hundred dollars on a meal. The cheese actually usually comes on a cart. Yep. And they'll put anywhere from 10 to 20, 25 cheeses on. And after you've had your first eight or nine courses, and right before you go into dessert, they actually roll the cheese cart over to your table. And it, it can scare the hell out of you if you've right. never seen this before. And they ask you, you can point, and you can have as many of these things as you want. And again, that's another situation where people get a little intimidated by what they should order. So that's, right. that's why I sort of want you to bring people. We want to talk about how you can enjoy cheese at home. Mm -hmm. And talk about how, I mean, you should be able to go out to your store and buy great cheese. You don't have to go to a great restaurant to do it. Absolutely. They, they've got some great selections out there. Even in the grocery store now, they're starting to carry more and more uh, varieties that are not your run-of-the-mill everyday cheeses. So you can find them at grocery stores. Uh, there's some higher-end grocery stores that have more variety. But yeah, they're, they're very readily available right now. And you have about 70, I think, in your, your restaurant. Right, I also I'm crazy. Know, I have about 70 it's, cheeses. It's nuts. Yeah. Again, intimidating. I also know um, if you go out to Morel's on the Strip, which is a great restaurant mm -hmm. in the Palazzo, they usually have at least 70 cheeses right. in there. So cheese is everywhere. And again, it's, it can be intimidating. So I, I want to start with the basics. Right. Le 
Generally, when you see a cheese cart, or when you see most cheese stores, there are, people think there are three types of milk, but really there are four types of milk that are used to make cheese. And we're gonna put them up there right now. We have what, of course, I guess everyone's used to is cow cheese, right? right? And then um, we've got sheep's cheese, you've got goat's milk cheese, and then buffalo. Buffalo is sort of the least common, but people, buffalo mozzarella, buffalo everybody mozzarella, eats, yep, you know? Yep, so, and that, that's water buffalo, correct? correct? Yep. So, um, could you give me the basic characteristics, how they differ within those milks? What, uh, absolutely. What the, and, you know, I can tell you just by looking at cheeses and the color of cheeses, what kinds of milk they are. Um, so basically, you break it down into categories like you talked about. You have the, um, the milks, and then you have the, the texture of the cheese, whether it's soft, firm, blue cheese, those kind of things. So that really separates them. Talking about the milks, first thing, you, uh, if you look at a cheese and it's very white in color, it's most likely it's going to be goat's milk. Goat's milk, you have a little bit of, uh, uh, they call it flavor from the farm. So I have a little bit of hay flavor to it, just a little. Um, it's also very creamy, very rich, and uh, always white, white in color. Um, if you have uh, you know, a, a cow's milk, it's, it's pretty much a standard milk. Uh, it's a little bit pale, more pale color. Um, it doesn't have too much flavor to it, but then you get into things like uh, unpasteurized cow milk, which actually has a lot more flavor to it. So that's one, one difference there, too. You always want to know if it's pasteurized or not, because pasteurization kills the bacteria, but it also takes out some of the flavor. And a lot of people think that unpasteurized cheese is illegal in the United States, but that is completely incorrect. Completely you get, incorrect. You can get yes. unpasteurized cheeses here in the U.S. Absolutely. Nothing, nothing wrong. You don't have to be nervous nope. eating them. They're completely healthy. No, I, I enjoy unpasteurized cheeses more because it has more complexity of flavors. There's more mineral taste. There, there's just different uh, flavors that pasteurization takes that out of it. So. Now, now, what about sheep's milk cheeses? Sheep's milk cheeses tends to be a little bit more tan color, and it has, that's really a from, from the farm flavor. That's a, a good terminology to use, and if you eat it, you, you've got a lot of hay flavor. You've got, in the back of your throat, you get a little bit of that burning, actually, from all of that hay flavor and grass flavor. So that's, uh, it, it's a very, um, uh, a little bit sharper of a cheese. I would use that as a, a good analogy. And then finally, we have water buffalo. And I said, people, you're going to be familiar with water buffalo cheese because we've all had buffalo right. mozzarella. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it is fairly rare to find buffalo, water buffalo cheeses, correct? It, it is. And the, the reason behind that, especially with the fresh buffalo mozzarella, is the, uh, it goes bad very quickly. You know, it, it's only good for about a week or two. That, that's it. And then it's done. So you have to use this stuff very quickly. Um, that's why it's very hard to find. Right. Now, another aspect is the age of the cheese. Right. And that, really, I think what people need to know, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you are the cheese expert, but cheese starts off very soft in the beginning of the, the process. When you start making cheese, it's usually your soft cheese. That's why you'll get your buffalo mozzarella. And then as it ages, it kind of gets harder, and it gets more intense in flavor. Is that a general rule? I know there are exceptions. That but. is a general rule, and it does get drier as it ages. The moisture goes out, so the, the cheese will get drier. Um, you also, as it gets past about two years point in time, you develop salt crystals. So it gets so dry that you actually get some of that crystallization of the salt, and when you eat it, it gets a little crunchy. So we have a really good aged Parmesan, or some of these cheddars that are aged, you get little salt crystals in them. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, the reason I like cheese so much, it's a little story, but um, milk is one product that starts out, and, and to me, as a chef, you're taking one product, and you can turn this one thing into all of these different types of cheeses. You can make it anything you want with the same ingredient. That's where the creativity and the scientific comes together. And you can take, like, like I said, one milk, and I can turn it from a brie all the way into a cheddar dry aged for 10 years, to a Parmesan, to a, 
all from that one product. So really, the only thing that, that limits cheese is the imagination of the cheesemaker. Cool. Um, looks like we've got a question it's in the chat room, or the chat line, I should say. We do. Our very first question on top of the food chain. Yay, questions. Nice, nice. Jackie wants to know, what's the best way to store cheese? Storing cheese, um, it, it really should be between uh, 55 to 60 degrees. And it should be, uh, it depends on the type of cheese, really. I mean, it shouldn't have a lot of humidity to it, a lot of moisture. It should be a relatively dry place. And do you recommend people when they're storing cheeses, you know, a lot of people will buy wine and of course they expect it to age over years. Now I know some chefs who, not, who buy fine cheeses but then they keep them in certain rooms in the mm -hmm. back because they like the way the cheeses age. Right. You have to know a little bit of something. It's not just like putting wine on a shelf. But do you recommend people that get really into cheese do their own aging of cheeses? You know, I probably wouldn't recommend that if you're not a professional because you can, you know, if properly age a cheese to give it more flavor and texture should be done probably 65, 70 degrees, and that's the area where bacteria grows. Bacteria is what, what makes the cheese what it is, so that could potentially be dangerous to someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. Now, again, there are a lot of things. First of all, we are going to get down, we're going to eat some cheese, we're going to drink some wine, we're going to give recommendations, but one last topic I want to cover, I really want to give people the basics, because that's what really the show is all about. I want to give you people out there the basics, so these words don't intimidate you when, you, when they see it in, in a restaurant. There are eight basic styles of cheese, as I understand. Um, we've got them, actually, can we put them up there? the eight styles of cheese. And this is going from the most mild, which we're starting off with the most mild, which are fresh cheeses. Then you get, and they go all the way up to the more intense. Sometimes right. I, when we get to um, washed rind, I say challenging, because they could be rough to eat those. But you start with fresh cheese. We go to semi-soft, semi-ripened, surface-ripened, semi-hard, hard, the blue cheese family, mm -hmm. and then the washed rind, which right. these are the babies that are kind of going to scare the heck out of some newcomers. Not all of them, and I'll show you some that aren't. Okay. We have actually one that today that's, that's uh, uh, washed rind that's not really pungent. So, but typically, yes, you're right. Can and you give me, could you just explain like what soft ripened versus surface sure. ripened means? And you know, just a few words so people kind of understand what those concepts mean. And also washed rind, you know, all of those. With yeah, absolutely. Hard and, and semi-hard are pretty easy to figure out, but you know. Yeah, they're, they're pretty easy, but and just as a note, the way that these are listed is how I have them on the menu. So to make it less intimidating for people, so when we go through these, you can keep that in mind. The, the fresh cheese, obviously, is usually aged for three months or less, um, or not at all. So it's just made as soon as the bacteria, rennet, is added to the milk, curds and whey are separated, and then that cheese is usually made into a ricotta or a fresh mozzarella. Um, it's not really aged at all. Curds and whey, little Miss Muffet term. There, there you for go, everybody curds and whey. There, so. um, <laughs> what do we have next? The, so next the, we had up the semi-soft, and then, the, then we get to the soft ripened and the surface ripened. Right, so uh, basically a, a semi-soft cheese is something more in the range of like a Munster or a Jack cheese. Um, it really has a, the, the bacteria and it. it's aged a slight amount of time and it's pressed a little bit longer so the curds actually stick together more. So it's, it's, uh, it basically gives a texture of like a, a Jack cheese. Okay. So, and then we talk soft ripened and then surface ripened. Soft ripened is, is uh, usually a bacteria spread on the outside. They call it a, a surface smear. And it usually it's made with yeast and some type of bacteria. And then it's aged. And what it does is it, it, it makes the cheese inside very soft. So it would be like a brie. You know, that would be a great example of one. Um, this, this, and that's a, a surface ripened. Again, they make this smear on the outside. And it's usually aged longer. So it's not necessarily as soft as a brie. Um, I've had a, a great one in, in Wisconsin. It's kind of a crazy story. You like it. He makes this smear on the outside for the surface ripen, 
and he, use, he calls it his earth cheese, and he uses dirt in it, and it actually flavors the minerals in the dirt flavor the cheese. Okay. And it's that one, the texture is more mm, of a medium dirt, texture. Yum, I, I'm telling dirt. you, there's some well, crazy people out there. There's a lot of other ingredients you'll find. People put ash in cheeses, yep. and that, that actually goes back, as a matter of fact, you'll find cheese with ash in it, sometimes in the middle, because yep. um, when the, they don't have enough cheese to, uh, enough milk to make a full wheel of cheese, they need to milk the cows later. So what they'll do is they'll put down the ash because without refrigeration, that would keep the flies off of the cheese exactly. while they went and let the cows exactly. get milked back up again. Not many people you know? know that. Yes, so well, yeah. I, I try I to learn a few yeah, things exactly. every day. That is a great story, by the way. If you really want to impress your date or your, your dinner partner, Absolutely. it's a, um, a Morbier cheese, right? Which is renowned for having that layer of ash in the middle. So what ask, kind of milk is that? Um, I thought it was cow's milk. Mm, no. no, it's actually they do two different types of milk. One layer mm. is usually cows, and one layer is usually sheep's. Okay, so see, the, see? The, this is go. the expert. Um, again, I think people know, so understand semi-hard, hard, and blue cheeses. Right. You know the mold and the blue cheese. And I really just want to get back before we start eating, because we got to eat. Um, but before we get back to that, the washed rind cheeses. Washed rind cheeses that where they normally get pungent. You got things like Limburger. I mean, everybody knows that. You take this smear on the outside, and then it's, it's aged usually in foil or something else to give it that uh, uh, ammonia kind of flavor, so that, in the, that smell. So that makes it super, super pungent, always soft. And the longer you age that, just the more creamy and stinky it gets. Okay. So, um, yeah, and, and the, a lot of people say the worse it smells, the better it tastes, right? right? Yeah, I don't know if I believe that one. I, I tried a Limber uh, that was a, a year old, and it was, it'll knock you over. Yeah, it, I, just, I, I like the stinky washed rind cheeses yeah, I, that are pretty yeah. intense. It's crazy, yep. but they can, they can knock people on their socks. So you've brought some cheese here. I want people to show. We've got um, five examples of cheeses here. Mm -hmm. If we can get a good shot at these, I'd like you to kind of walk people through what we have, maybe pick it up, show it to them, and um, explain where they fit in those categories, what type of milk and what style of cheese that we're doing. Absolutely. Um, first one, this one is a, uh, it's a blue cheese. And I, I tried to bring some from uh, different parts of the world. This one is a French blue cheese, and it's called Saint Augur. It is, uh, to me, it's a, it's a double cream. So they take all the cream off the, milk, or off the milk, they take that off the top, they take that milk, and they m use it to make this blue cheese. Blue cheese, we didn't really talk about too much, is interesting because they put the bacteria inside the cheese, and then they let it age. And then to get the blue veins inside, they actually puncture it with needles to get the air in. The yes, air then grows the mold. You know, amazing. So that's how you get amazing. the blue inside there. Can we, which, there we go. You can't necessarily see all the blue, but there's a ton of blue going on it's over there. It's super creamy. So. It's, it, I mean, it's like eating butter, really, because of all that. And yeah, that's when you see a, a double cream or triple cream. That's what it means. They're using all the cream. You, know, you can use whole milk to make cheeses. You, can, you, know, you have whole milk mozzarella all the time. That really adds to the texture. So this one being a double cream is like just like butter. Okay, so I'm going to make a, yeah, I'm going to take a little bite of it real quickly. Go for it. And you know, I think one characteristic you're always going to get out of these blue cheeses, very salty. Mm -hmm. I mean, to put it in layman's term, very very salty style of cheese. Right. And this one, I do, I believe it's not as pungent or as strong as you would get in some of like the gorgonzolas or some of the domestic blue cheeses. Very mild, in my, my opinion, and that creamy flavor, it goes great with a little bit of jelly or some dried fruits. It, it pairs perfectly with it. OK, next one I'm going to hold up here. And hopefully, yeah, we get a good shot at that baby. It's got a nice dark rind on it. And what, what are we looking at here? So what you've got here, this is a, it's called cave-aged menage. And it's actually made in Wisconsin uh, by Sid Cook. He's a cheesemaker. And it's a blend of all three milks. This has cow's milk, sheep's milk, 
and goat's milk all blended together. Wow. It's wrapped in, they call it bandaged wrap, which is wrapped in a cheesecloth and aged in a cave. And it gives a light nutty flavor. Um, it, it's just, and you have all of the complexities of all the milks blended together. And again, really good stories. If you want to go out there and you, you want to order these cheeses, you want to make sure you get laid at the end of the meal. You want to impress the chicks that you're out there with. You could tell her it's in a cave. It's got three different milks. That's and it. People are going to be like, you are one ass-kicking ass cheese genius. There you go, yeah. Maybe exactly. an ass-kissing cheese yeah. That's what I'm doing here, kissing your ass because yeah. you're the expert. But, okay, we, what do we got up next now? This one is a, a super-aged cheddar. Uh, it's also made in Wisconsin, and it's a 12-year-old cheddar. Wow. Um, it's not common at all. You, you really can't find it. They actually, I think they lost it in the back of the warehouse, and he sent it to me uh, about a month ago. You can taste it. It's got a lot of salt crystals in it. It's very dry. Um, it is all cow's milk. Um, you notice it's white. It's not like the yellow cheddars. Um, every, I don't know if everyone knows, or I'm sure you do, Al, but the cheddar, the yellowing, actually has no color to it. It's made with a natto seed. Mm -hmm. So it's basically just a food coloring. It's a natural food coloring, but it really gives nothing to the cheese. So a white cheddar like this I, I, is just as good or better than a, a, a yellow cheddar. And you talk about that, that salt and those crystals that mm -hmm. get into this. And you know, a lot of people, if they've only had Parmesan grated over their pasta, you can't really taste those, you can't really feel those crystals. Mm -hmm. But if you ever have a whole block of right. sharp Parmesan, sort of eat it shaved, it actually crunches in your mouth. Absolutely. You know? Just like this one. Just like this this, this one has a lot of salt in it. It's, it's yeah. really amazing. It comes in, in that, uh, that wax brick right there. It's like, Is it we call it gold. Baby, huh? Yeah. Okay. 12 yeah. years old. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk, we're going to walk through the other two of these, okay. but one thing, and we're also going to talk about some of these great fruits that, and nuts that you've brought up. Fruits mm -hmm. and nuts are the perfect accompaniment. But I'm sorry, I can, cannot be doing cheese without doing some wine. Absolutely. And so you've brought us, you've brought us three things you think age or pair quite well with these cheeses. First, we've got a beer, and I think people really know. I'm putting that right in the front of my face. I'm not very camera savvy quite That's yet. That's all right. But um, you know, beer is not what people think of, but. Uh, Beer, beer pairs incredibly well with cheeses. Well, to me, beer pairs almost good with everything. Yeah, well. absolutely. Um, this one is a, a blonde bock, and it's uh, it has a little bit of that nutty flavor, and it's actually going to go with uh, the cheese that we're going to talk about next, which is the the one that we were referring to. It's a wash rind cheese, and it's actually aged, and it's drier, so it's aged about a year, and it's called Pleasant Ridge Reserve. Um, this, this one also is a Wisconsin cheese, and what's interesting about this is it's made from one herd, specific herd of cows. This is the only cheese that these cheesemakers make, right. and they only make it three months out of the year when the milk is perfect. They, what they do is they put out, I think it's 20 acres of different kinds of herbs, dandelions, and grass, and they let the cows go roam and pick which one they like best because they figure it, if it tastes good, it's going to make the milk taste good and make the cheese taste good. You're just kind of giving a lot of credit to the cows for no, I mean, That's, I guess, you know, you can't do that with beef because the cows would get smart and they'd start eating the things that made them taste bad. Yeah, right? probably, but, um, exactly. But, but with milk, the cows aren't that upset. They got to give the milk anyway. They think they're giving it to their babies. They want to make it taste good. I you suppose. know, the logic and the story, it sounds good to me. And, and the cheese is amazing. That's, it's really a great flavor, uh, texture. Everything is really good on that cheese. Now, we had said that washed rind cheeses are um, generally your really super funky cheeses, but you said that this one's not. It's so. not because it's dry aged. They actually put it in a cellar after they, they use a, a wet washed rind to go on the outside, and then they, they dry age it. Oh, yeah. This is very mellow compared to other washed rind cheeses. I've right, heard. but you still get a little bit of that flavor out of there. Mm -hmm. and, and for a cow's milk cheese with that much flavor, 
aged only a year, it, it's pretty phenomenal. Okay. Now, again, what we all need to know, cheese, beer. Cheese, beer. This is what we're here for, that. man. Cheers. This is why I got a show, so That's I can right. just eat and drink for free. Sounds good know? to me. Somebody, yeah, Scott over there did not know, but I've spent my entire career trying to find ways to eat and drink for free. Hmm. Yeah, that works it, really well with it. It works really well together. Right. So, yeah, I think a lot of people should realize that. They're great ways to, to pair beers, and it's good in two ways. Number one, beer pairings have become very popular in fancy restaurants. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the best in the world. It's great. And you also get to save a hell of a lot of money because beer beer pairings a lot less cost. A lot less expensive than wine, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, looks like we've got another question. Scott, what you got going on over there? We've got a couple chat questions, uh, both about particular wine. Samantha and Bridget want to know what cheese would be good to pair with Merlot and then Pinot Noir? They're good questions. Um, when it comes down to wine, wine and cheese pair many different ways and it really is up to the individual tastes. I have a couple specific examples for you, but you know, a really strong red wine like that, you really want to put it up against a cheese that would that would stand up to it in my opinion. You want something that would have some acidity to it, something that would have some flavor to it. A good blue cheese or something like that would pair well with something that's as strong as a, a Merlot. Yeah, I know. think a blue and a Merlot tend to go yeah. really well together. But and then what was the other one that they were asking about, Scott? Uh, Merlot and uh, Pinot uh, uh, Noir. Pinot Noir. What would you put with a Pinot? You know, I, I'd probably stick in that range or something dry with some really good flavor uh, to match up to it because you wouldn't, both of those are, are strong wines. Right. Um, there's no real right or wrong answer to pairing with cheese with wine. There's so many different varieties and, and really with all the fruits and everything else, you can, you can try different things and figure out what you like the best. But, you know, we have sommeliers in the restaurant who that's all they do. They just pick it for you. And so you come in and, and they'll, they'll mail it for you. Okay, I know we got one more, but first we were talking about wine. So Absolutely. let's pull out some wines that you have here. Yep. And look at this. Ah, oh, this is definitely why I have, this is why we have a studio audience because they know we're not going to be able to finish all this ourselves. Well, it depends how um, long the show is yeah. now. I mean, come on. But um, so what do we got here? Can we zoom in on this bad boy? Eh, can you, I don't know if you can read the label there, but. No, um, I can't. What, we, can see. you read this? <laughs> nope. I, uh, what do we got? What do we my, got? My glasses are not working. Gatinara. Yeah. This is an Italian red, and uh, this one here. Let's try it with the. Uh, let's try it with this blue cheese, like we were just talking about. And did we get this wrong? What do we, Peter, what do we exactly name? have there, Peter? That's that's right. Can I don't know if they could hear that because he's not mic. Could you tell them again? It's and it's a Nebbiolo from Italy. And you know we're gonna try it with. Uh, um, actually, Peter, we should try this with the the truffle pecorino, right? Yeah, exactly. So the truffle pecorino, again, something with some great flavor and, and something that'll stand up to it. We've got a, a pecorino with sheep's milk. It's dry aged for about two years, and it's infused with black truffles. You know, that it seems, is that becoming a new trend? Because I've been ha getting, finding a lot of truffle infused cheeses. It is becoming a new trend. This specific one is, is imported from Italy. It's very expensive, and they've been doing this for, I mean, I think it's 50 years now. This is one of the originals, in my opinion, the best one. Um, it's, it's, there are lots of other soft cheeses that they're putting truffle in and yeah, it's yeah, a new a trendy. Yeah, a lot of soft, you don't yeah. usually, I don't see it as much in the hard cheese. Dry aged in a pecorino, this cheese is, is amazing. Uh, like I said, I've tried many truffle cheeses and this is the only one that we carry. Really? 
I like a truffle cheese called truffle tremor out of California. Truffle tremor is good. It's a goat cheese. Yeah, yeah and you can a, get that at your Whole Foods, and yep. it's relatively. It was introduced to me in an extremely fine restaurant. It was introduced to me at um, Fleur de Lis mm -hmm. in San Francisco, the original. And the the guy came over with the cheeses, and he was like, "Okay, we have all these fancy French cheeses. This is a California goat cheese, but." Trust me, you're going to dig it. You're really going to like it. And I was, I was really surprised. I loved it. I ended up where we I was at, in San Francisco for the holidays. Brought it, went over to local Whole Foods and got it from my family. Brought it home. Everybody liked it for Christmas dinner. So it is a, that, that is a good cheese. They, they do a good job domestically with that. Yeah. But so this is the truffle pecorino. Just give it a shot. I think you won't be disappointed with that one. It's mm. wow, salty. It's aged a couple years. That sheep's milk with an Great truffle flavor. Yeah, I mean the earthiness of the truffle yep. flavor with the sheep's milk cheese, with that that flavor of the, the farm and the hay and the right it goes great together. And now the wine. Okay, that works. That works quite well. Yep. Um, Scott, did we have another question over there? I know we did. I'm sorry. I thought we you said not. we had two, but it was just a two-parter. That's right. I got that wrong. I'm going to get better at this, people. I promise. I'm going to get better at this. Next week, we're going to be doing better. Um, we also have a white wine here. I want to talk to you about the wine. And the reason we didn't open this one up in advance, because I figure as long as we're talking about cheese and wine, I'm going to give people a little bit of a lesson on how to open a bottle of wine using one of these keys, which is the thing. Because we all use, not we all, some of you people have class, but the rest of us all use those corkscrew things that you know you get the handles because right. we don't want to screw it up. But this is actually pretty simple to do if somebody teaches you. So uh, you mind showing people just very quickly? Absolutely not. I'm, and you know me, I'm not the expert at, at opening wine, but absolutely I can do it. So what you do is most wine keys have a knife on the end of it. And what you want to do is you want to cut right underneath the lip all the way around. And you have to try not to cut your finger. Yeah. You know. Blood and wine together, not yeah, quite the probably good not deal. the best. So we'll just cut the top off. Try not to poke yourself in the eye with that thing either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Peter gave me the biggest wank you could ever imagine. Okay. It's his way of punishing you because he's not on the show. Yeah, exactly. Or because he's not drinking the wine. That, drinking that's the, wine. the reason he's punishing me. So then what we're going to do is we're going to take the, the corkscrew now and put it right into the center. We're going to go pretty much all the way down. And this wine key here has a two-part system. So now, you yeah, see, a, these are the little ridges here that people you have two ridges that kind of confuse the hell out of people. But you're, you're supposed to use them to catch them on the lip of the wine. Exactly. Right? So you catch the first one, and you go halfway up. And then you go down to the, the, the longest one, and you Take the remainder out. And that is just so freaking easy when you do it, man. It is. Thank you. Very good. So um, I don't have a white wine glass, but I'm going to chug my water, and then we'll. Um... There you go. I'll just drink it out of the bottle, so it's all right. <laughs> that I, don't is, a, I don't need a glass. It is that kind of a show, I promise you. So and what are we drinking right now? This one is a Pinot Gris from France. So okay. it's just like a Pinot Grigio in, in the States, Pinot Gris in France. Um, it's got some great acidity to it. Uh, and now it's, this is also from, a, it's an Alsatian wine, correct? That, that's correct. And Peter, what are we drinking this with? The, the, the Saint Argur blue cheese. Okay. So fruit, citrus, all that stuff will go great with this blue cheese, especially this one because it's not that pungent. It's not a super strong blue cheese. Right. Now, Peter, question again. You're not Mike. Sorry, but, you know Matt. You may know this, but to someone who's not a huge wine person, this looks a lot like a Riesling bottle. The type of bottle looks like a Riesling bottle to me. Is there a reason that it's a Pinot Gris in a bottle that looks like a Riesling bottle? Well, you actually mentioned that earlier. Uh, Alsace used to be in Germany. 
Whatever. A lot of German Rieslings, right. and that's the type of bottle they use. So okay. they kind of stuck with that okay. theme. Good enough. It's all part of the, the war things. Alsace used to be Germany, and then there it's you France, go. and then it's Germany. And, yep. But they make some great food, produce some great chefs, and make some great wine. So Absolutely. Hmm, that's nice. Now, after everything dry that we've been having, this tastes exceptionally sweet right, right now. And I'm sure it will after I have it with a little bit of the blue cheese, blue cheese. as well, right? Yep. Try a little bit of this with it, too. This is some homemade granola that we make and sometimes mm -hmm. serve with some of the, some of the cheese. That, I think it's a great, because it adds some nutty characteristics. And we use a little bit of maple syrup in it, so you have a little bit of sweetness. Um, I like things like this with the dried fruit. And uh, we serve simple, simple jellies that we make and uh, uh, usually toasted bread, and that's it. It really, to me, is about the cheese and what's on the plate and not all the accompaniments. The stuff that goes with it should just add a little. It shouldn't overpower or, or you know, take over. Right, but I do want to run down, um, before we get to the next question, I do want to run down if somebody can get a camera on the, the accompaniments that we have right here because you brought some very typical accompaniments. And I think this can be just as important as the cheese and as the wine is what you put it out with. And it right. can impress the hell out of your friends, especially if you're doing cheese at home. So absolutely. Let us see what you've, what you've got here. Right here, we've done some uh, dried cherries. Uh, we have some golden raisins, the, the homemade granola, uh, dried apricots, and we have dried figs at the end. So we do an assortment of dried fruits. And then again, we make our uh, different types of jellies seasonally with fresh fruit. OK. And yeah, again, with the, um, the nuttiness of the granola, the saltiness of the blue, yeah. and then this, this sweet, sweet, sweet wine. Exactly. It's just a really nice balance of flavors that go on right there. Yep. Um, so again, wow, I can't people, we actually have people that want to talk to us. Well, this that's is amazing. great. This is that's like people good. are watching. This amazing. is like better than my wildest dreams. Scott, what are they asking? I got a couple more. We'll start with Ted. Ted wants to know, what are a couple of good non-traditional cheeses we should try that we can find at local grocery stores like Vons, Albertsons, Smith's? Bonds and Albertsons, if we talk Whole Foods, I can tell you some that, that I would definitely try. Um, this St. Auger, this blue cheese, I believe is at Whole Foods. That would be something that you should definitely try. Um, I believe also that they have uh, um, Port Salute, which is a soft white French cheese, which is, is great. Um, and some of these aged cheddars, you know, that would be abnormal for people to try that, that they haven't before. So couple aged cheddars would be so good. So those are Whole Foods, but when you're really talking about your more neighborhood grocery store, nothing that really... I still think you can, from time to time, find things like that truffle you, tremor you that I was can, talking about. You can. I just I, I can't think of a couple off the top of my head that would be <laughs> for sure you'd find them there. Okay. Do we have another question? We do. Jackie wants to know, what kind of crackers or bread would you serve with these different kind of cheeses? Absolutely. In the restaurant, what I do serve is a, a ciabatta. We, we serve a black pepper and Asiago ciabatta that we slice thin and grill. Um, but they make great uh, crackers, black pepper crackers, or um, I, I'd go something simple like that and not, nothing too fancy. Again, you don't want to compete. You've got all these great cheeses and great flavors. You're serving it with this great stuff. You don't want to compete flavors too much. Just have a great quality bread or great quality cracker and serve it with it. Okay. Um, we've got one last cheese. I want you to tell me what it is before we wrap up this little segment. This one we did not try in the corner there, did that we? That is the same oh, that as is the, the same truffle, as the we, truffle we've one. Tried we've tried the five. We've, we've been through all five. We've been through them all, which means it is about time we, we wrap this up. But the thing is, what we normally want to do every week, and this is why I asked everybody to please email questions, and you're going to be emailing them to food at vegasvideonetwork.com. 
We didn't have a last week. This is week number one. So go. I wasn't able to get any questions. But what I did do is um, I do a lot of writing for Las Vegas Advisor mm -hmm. um, and great resource for people here in Las Vegas. And I answer a lot of questions from their readers. And they have sent me a few questions. These are not cheese related. So you got to get out of your oh, cheese head. No do, you problem. Mind, do you mind helping me out with not these? Not at all. I'm just going to sit here and drink okay, my beer. Yeah, let's ask um, me a question. I'm going to drink some red wine. Yeah, no problem. We'll so um, one, one reader, let's see, I got to read these. I don't have them memorized. But, um, Somebody writes, I'm looking for the best pizza in Las Vegas, either on or off the strip. I've heard Metro Pizza is good, but then some natives told me it was not good. So I'm back to square one. What's your opinion? Best pizza in town. Oh, well. First of all, you like Besides Metro? mine. Besides you, mine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, let's okay. take well, that out of the equation. I can't equation. plug you in every category. I know. I'm trying okay, here. Okay. Man, okay. But um, first of all, Metro is good pizza. I do like Metro's pizza. I haven't been there in years, but it is, it is very good. You're right. Mm -hmm. But you have another favorite that you like to go? I mean, come on. You can't always eat your own. You must you know, be bored of your own food all the time. I think Cetabella was, was good last time I was there. Grimaldi's is pretty good pizza. You know, it's just pretty standard. Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think I definitely think um, Cetabella mm -hmm. is probably the best pizza in town. It's a great place. Very child-friendly. I write this in my book. Um, I don't have kids, and I don't really like child-friendly restaurants. And don't no, no hate mail from all of you breeders out there. I like you guys. <laughs> I dig that you have kids. I like nieces and nephews. They're cool people. But when you don't have kids, it can be annoying to go to a place where there's kids running around. On the other hand, I'm glad there are restaurants out there that do like kids right. because my friends with kids want to be able to go places where their kids are welcome. Cetabello is super, super family friendly. If the pizza wasn't so damn good, I might not go there. But the pizza is absolutely amazing, um, done in traditional style of Naples. Right. Um, you know, the yeah. oven is a billion degrees. I don't even remember off yeah. the top of my head. Great ingredients. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it actually, yeah, the ingredients are absolute top notch. Made it into the book actually is one of our 50 essential restaurants. Oh, so, and the go. fact that we put a pizza place as one of our 50 essential restaurants, I think that speaks. I also like the pizza at Rayos, which mm -hmm. I think they only make it at um, lunchtime. I yeah, I haven't tried it there. Yeah, no. Rayos and Caesar's Palace, and you mentioned Grimaldi's. So they make mm -hmm. great pizza yep. as well. So hope that helps you out when you're looking for pizza. Um, here's one. My family and I are going to be in Vegas on vacation. In the past, we've had trouble finding food late at night. So they ask us to recommend some late-night dining spots. What's your favorite? You know, right now, it's, it's funny. It's, it's relatively new. It just opened on uh, uh, Jones and 215. You know, it, it's uh, the uh, Japanese restaurant. It's owned by Naked Fish. I can't remember the name of it, though. Kayara, I think. Uh, Have you been there? Jones and 215. Yeah. No. Actually, Just opened about a month and a half ago. Hmm. No, I got, I'm going to have to check it out. Owned by Naked Fish. I, Kayara is the name. K-A-Y-A-R-A, -A, and it's open until 2 in the morning. Okay. Center Japan's also great. I, I don't know. I like the Asian stuff late at night. Me, sushi, and yeah. Center Japan's great. It's on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, D.I. and... The Iron Durango. Right. So and I, I like also, I'd say Raku in Chinatown is great. And yep. First Food and Bar in the Palazzo. Sam, yep, absolutely. Sam Marco's joint. Very good. So anyway, next time you are dining late at night, that is where we would send you. And also Peppermill can be fun. That's kind of an old Vegas vibe. But so that's pretty much it for our, our time here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for the wine. Thanks for the cheese. I know these exactly. guys are going to be loving helping with the wine. People at home, go out, open your own bottle of wine and yeah. cheese. Be with us in spirit. Um, Again, I want to remind you that you can email us at food at vegasvideonetwork.com. You can get these things on iTunes. They'll, you know, if, if your friends didn't see it and you're going to say, you guys have to see it because Sal Mancini is so great. And, oh, and me. Come and, on. And, and Come Matt, on. Give me a little credit. I was going to say, and Matt saved his oh. ass many a time yeah, during exactly. the broadcast. So um, you can definitely get that at iTunes. We will be um, here next week. Not sure who the guest is quite yet because I'm still getting my... my bearings doing this show, but we'll have a great guest, I promise. Probably not as good as Matt, but I, I'm going to work my ass off to make it somebody as good as you. All right, you do that. And um, 
We've got a couple of things coming up. You and I are going to be working together on Saturday. I want to let everybody out there know there's a barbecue contest going on. It's at the Roadrunner um, Saloon. What is Flamingo and 215. Yeah, the Roadrunner on Flamingo and 215. It's an all-day barbecue contest. It's open to the public. Open I'll to the public, noon to 6. Uh, they're going to be tasting barbecues. There's 10 teams out there. and. Al's going to be one of the judges. I'll be judging it. I think our mayor is judging it. Mayor Goodman will be you never there. See me in the you'd rarely see me and the mayor in the Should same be a room. Good time. So that's really cool. Um, I'm also judging a pickle eating contest at the Mirage tomorrow, Friday, at about 4 o'clock near the sports book. So come and check all of that out. But that's pretty much it. Day one, episode one. Come on, people. Cheers. Cheers, Al. Cheers, man. Cheers. Thanks a lot for coming. We You're really welcome. appreciate it. Tune in again next week. Thanks.